0: I don't know how to put this. <laughs> On the floor it's gonna work. <laughs> All right. Um woo. would you turn and give at least one or two people a high five? <laughs> <laughs> If you haven't met me before, my name's Jessie Pru. Um, I'm married to Mike Pru. I uh, I wasn't born here, but I was raised here. Graduated from Churchill, went on to go to Oregon. Um, I was a part of New Day since 2009, and then have merged um, here since then. So I've been here for a few months now. So um, Tim invited me recently to come and uh, share on a Sunday morning, and I was like. <laughs> okay. (laughs) And then he thankfully gave me kind of just freedom to say, you know, don't worry about if we're in a series or if there's something we're talking about that month, just bring whatever you want to share. So I feel like that was awesome because now I get the freedom to kind of dive into my own life and say, wow, if I was really going to share something from my experience and where I'm at in life right now, I really got to dig into that and bring something that I'm really excited about that I've been, um, it's kind of been a process of mine for a few years. So now I get to share with you guys. So, let's see. Okay, I'm gonna start with a story. So for several years, um, I was a middle school teacher. I taught eighth grade math um, out in Junction City at Oakley Middle School, and I loved being a teacher. I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm now, I've shifted into a new career, but um, when you teach, if you don't have experience being in a classroom or being a teacher, I I saw anywhere from like 120 to 140 different kids a day and I'm responsible for their precious little lives while that time that I get to be their teacher. And so sometimes I get to the end of the day, and I don't, like, believe me, I'm a people person. I love people. I love partying and gathering, and I love excitement and fun. Um, but after you've spent, like, ten hours of your day having everyone, Miss Pro, Miss Pro, Miss Pro, Miss and needing things from you, and you're answering questions, and you're problem solving, and you're literally like timing your bathroom breaks because you get basically a minute to go use the restroom, <laughs> and you're racing through your day all day. And sometimes I get to the end of my day, and I'm like, I can't handle a single another thing. I just need to like turn the radio off. I need to use my 20 minutes to just like not detox, but whatever that's called, decompress, maybe diffuse. Yes, and I just need to like you know be at peace, all things away. So I'm in one of those days. It's a Friday. It's the end of a long week. Um, It was an assembly day, which adds like a whole new level of excitement (laughs) to the day. (laughs) And I've gotten into my car, and it's to the point where I don't even want to wear my seatbelt, where I'm just like, I can't handle any more stimulus. I don't even want anything in my zone of little peace in my car at the moment. I don't want to hear Miss Pru one more time. And I'm driving home, and I'm actually going out to meet, um, I think it was maybe for my mother-in-law's birthday and we were meeting at BJ's and so I'm racing from school to try and make it to the restaurant on time Um, and then of course coming in from Junction City I hit Beltline and it's a Friday (laughs) so it's like no just gridlock like you just I'm like looking for like a mile ahead that I can see and all I see are just gridlocked cars and it's like ugh, I don't know what's gonna happen but my head might explode that might happen (laughs) So, anyways, so then to add to the story, I'm in a season of life where my husband and I are kind of like trying to decide if we're going to move. So we've been talking about, are we going to sell our house? Are we not going to sell our house? Are we going to change our whole like kind of life direction a little bit? Are we going to stay where we're at for a little while longer? And we had just a couple days prior been like, no, let's just stay. Let's just take this season, and we love our house. It's a good fit. Let's just be here. So this is my circumstance. And now I'm in my car, and I'm gridlocked, late, running to my mother-in-law's birthday. And Mike calls me, my husband, sorry. And if you don't know my husband, um, <laughs> he's like, I don't know. There's lots of things to describe him. <laughs> what, I will use for this, what I will use for this story <laughs> is that he's like the engine that never stops. Like, he's constantly on the move. His brain is always working. He's always got, like, not just, like, one thing in the hopper, but, like, everything in the hopper like anything's possible for him you know nothing's off the table until like somebody has to actually take it off the table so I'm gridlocked I'm like overstimulated I'm over it I'm like get me out of here and he calls me and I'm like oh hey and he's like hey how's it going I'm like oh I'm stuck in traffic but you know I'm okay he's like guess what I'm like oh what he's like I found us the perfect place and I was like Okay, and he's like, yeah, and he has this barn attached to it. We could, like, convert it into, like, a winery. We could host events. We could do all this stuff. It would, like, stretch us so we'd have, like, no money every month. But it could work, and we could, like, make it this great thing, like, da 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 And he's, like, going and going and going. And, like, if you could pretend I'm, like, a thermometer, you're, like, watching my little, like, thermometer thing go, like, up and up and up. And I'm just kind of going, like, yeah, yeah, Okay. Uh-huh. And I just am like, okay, I'm gonna explode. And I literally, I don't actually remember the words I actually said, but I think I basically went, yeah, bye. And I just hung up the phone. <laughs> I was like, no, nope, just done. Just hanging up the phone. So then I'm sitting there and I'm sitting in traffic and um, thankfully this isn't what happened, but what could have happened is that the rest of my night would have gone in where I'm stressed, I'm flustered, I'm late, I'm showing up to this place. I'm mad at Mike because now he's thrown my life upside down again. Not really, but. Um, <laughs> and then I arrive at this party. I'm all tumultuous and whatever inside. And I have all these people and, I, you know, my family who I adore. And I probably can't really show them love, whatever. I get home, and I'm mad at Mike now, and so we have to get in a fight or whatever. You know, you can kind of picture what that night might play out with. So that was how it could have gone. Um. But thankfully, the reason I share this story, so sorry for my friends who have heard it before, is because this was, like, the, one of the most profound moments for me um, where I invited God in, and he showed up in such a real and just amazing way, and it changed, like, it just totally, 100% changed course for me um, because our God is someone who loves me and loves Mike equally. He's someone who has the goal of unity and connection and bringing us together We have a God who believes in win-win situations, even when you can't imagine how there could be both opposing parts and both receiving wins. Um, And he's someone who longs to be with us and to be close to us and to live our lives with us. So I'll come back to this story, but part of what I started asking myself in this situation when I'm thinking back on it is like, what does it look like to love Mike in this situation when I'm like at my total limit, but he's having this dream, a dream that is valid and awesome and who he's born to be. So what does it look like to love Mike in that situation? What does it look like for me to be loved in that situation where I'm just totally maxed out at capacity? Um, what does it look like to love the people I'm going to go to dinner with? If it, if it was, in fact, I think it was for my mother-in-law's birthday, what does it look like to show up and still get to celebrate her even though I'm having all these crazy emotions inside? Um, and what does it look like to invite God in, to really experience him in a really real way when I'm caught in that circumstance? So again, I'll come back to the end of the story later, Um, but I'm gonna talk about this process that was introduced to me that it's now been, I don't know, three years since it was kind of given to me as this nugget of truth that I've been trying to bring into my life, and it's totally changed my life. And so I wanted to bring it in just in case it was something that could possibly change yours too. So in order to get to that process, I have to set it up for you a little bit so you understand what I'm saying when I'm talking about it. So I'm gonna be talking about three different things of three. So for those of you who like, like to know what's coming, just know there's three different things of three, and <laughs> some of them will be fast. So when we think of who we are, when we think of us being human beings, and we're human beings in this life, and we kind of ask ourselves, like, at a fundamental level, who are we? What are we? Um, and there's a whole lot that could go into that answer. But what I'm going to talk about today is this idea of us being a soul inside of a body. So we're a soul. When you think of, like, who is the essence of who I am? I'm a soul. And I believe there's three parts to that. There's the part of our soul that can receive information, that can interpret information. There's the part of us that has emotions and can form opinions and react to that information. And then there's the part of us that takes all of that and then puts it outwardly and can act out into the world. So the three things we'll call those are our intellect, our emotions, and our will. When those parts of our soul are in connection with God, they're healthy and good things. When they're in disconnect with God, then they look totally different. So when you think of your intellect, and we think of us being disconnected from God, we're prideful, we're proud. We don't need other people, we don't need God, we can handle it on our own. When we're connected with God, we're humble. We acknowledge that we need God and that we need others and that both of those things are valuable. In our emotions, when we're not connected with God, we're selfish and self-serving and we're always trying to take care of ourselves. I'm always looking after myself. If we're in a state of being connected, then we're trusting. We know that we're going to be taken care of and we can trust we're going to be taken care of, which also means we can take our eyes off of ourselves and look out for others. And for our will, when we're disconnected, we have acts that destruct, that take life, that... Make things worse and when we're connected with God, we have a will that can serve, that can give life and bring goodness into the world. So that's our first set of three. So then what does our soul do? Who are we? What do we what do we do in this big thing called life? Well again, that has a lot of different answers. But one thing I want to focus on today is this idea of our walk with God, or um, a phrase that I don't know if it's like coined or not, but it's called like a path to freedom, where when we invite God in and we invite others in and we actively walk and seek deeper levels of health, that it's a path you're walking towards freedom. So what do you need freedom from? Is it freedom from fear or depression, or do you need healing in your life, or You know, whatever it might be for you. Um, But this idea of if we're walking on this path to freedom, then what do we actually need? What are the tools? What are the practices? What are the whatevers to kind of be, you know, if I have a tool belt and I'm going to start putting things in my tool belt for this path to freedom, then, you know, what am I putting in there? And the three things um, that were taught to me, and I really have found truth in this, is an intimate relationship with God, at least one true friend, and healthy information. So when you think about an intimate relationship with God, the the reason the word intimate would be in there is intimate emphasizes a sense of closeness and openness. So pretend you're on a hike. So we're talking about like our path to freedom. Pretend you're on your hike and you're going with a friend. And maybe your friend is like the guide on this tour, right? They've hiked the middle sister before and they're going to bring you on this hike now. Well, if your friend is a mile in front of you or you only check in on your walkie-talkie every 30 minutes, You know, how impactful is that guide going to be to you on your walk? Versus if your friend is right at your side and you're constantly chatting and walking through life together and partnering. And when you have a question, you turn and ask them that question. How much more influence and impact is that friend going to have on your walk as they're guiding you through? So John 14, 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. So God is our way, God is our truth, and God is our life. And the more intimate your relationship is with him, the more close you are, then you know the more free-flowing and easy your walk with him can be, the more impactful it will be. Um, the second thing is at least one true friend. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I should have covered that first. First <laughs> um, John 4.12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we w- love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is one of my absolutely favorite verses, because it's just for me like the picture of God, that God is love, and God wants us to live in love. And we haven't seen God, but when we love one another, when we live in love with one another, then his love is made complete in us. And I also wanna emphasize that I don't, for me, my definition of a true friend is not a perfect friend. You know, all of us are human. All of us are gonna make mistakes. All of us are gonna stumble. None of us are gonna be perfect. So what does it mean to be a true friend? For me, it means someone who can really be the tangible God in your life. It's that person that can show you love, accept you, give you that agape love that we talk about, and accept you no matter what. It's the person that you could unburden your deepest, darkest secret to, and they say, you know what? I still love you. I support you. I'm here for you. I pain with you. I walk with you. Whatever it is, have at least one of those true friends that can walk out your life with you. And then the third thing is healthy information. I mean, from the time we're a baby, you can look at it, and just our life, we all need guidance and education and information. We all need those nuggets of truth to kind of just drop into our lap every once in a while. You know, we're not born with all the knowledge that we need, and we probably also won't die with all the knowledge that we need, but there's steps that we can continue to gain. Maybe I run up against a wall, and all it takes is someone to unlock that door where now I get to walk through it. Um, When I was preparing this message, I don't know why. I haven't thought about this person in a really long time. But when I was in uh, college, when I was going to the University of Oregon, I was studying to be a math teacher, so I was a math major. (laughs) I was one of those kids. (laughs) So (laughs) I was in primarily math classes. um, And I love math, so I ate it up. I'm a total nerd. But um, also what was funny about being a math major is that there's kind of like who the, even the name like makes them superior to us, kind of. There was like the pure mathematics majors, and then there was like the secondary teacher majors. So I was the secondary teacher major, and I would get p- placed in these classes that like honestly, there would be a professor up at the board, and he would be, like you would walk in and think like, oh, what language is that? Because I couldn't tell you. No, actually I could. but. <laughs> it would take me a really long time. It would take me a really long time. But then I'd be sitting with these people next to me, these pure mathematics majors who were like genius level crazy. it's like I can't even understand. And they would just sit there, and every once in a while, like they'd turn over and be like, "Oh, it's actually that." I'm like, "Okay." Or they'd finish the proof before the professor. Who does that? So then, as a math major, I was also obligated to take a computer science class. It was a programming class because math is so algorithmic, and computer programming is also very algorithmic, which is a fancy way of just saying it's a very step by step process, and if you do this, then you do this, and if you do this, then you do this, and yada yada. So I already felt like kind of like a, a B level <laughs> student as a math person, and then I get thrown into this programming class, and I honestly, for the life of me, don't know how I made it through this class, except like God showed me and reminded me in this when I was preparing my message, this guy named Simon. So Simon was a computer science major. So he was probably, like, making computers since he was, like, five. And he, for whatever reason, like, totally glommed onto me, and we were total buddies and, like, total nerds. Like, we would have these really silly conversations. But we would sit there, and an assignment that would take him, like, five minutes would take me, like, an hour. And so he'd be, like, eating Cheetos and, like, playing Nintendo games or whatever. And I would be sitting there, and there was this one moment that I really remember where I'm trying to write this program that basically, like, you enter something... And then it takes you through all these different if-thens, and then it lands you at the bottom with like, what your favorite color is or something silly. And I just kept getting error message, error message, error message. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm looking through every single like, thousand little things I've put in here, and I cannot find any mistakes, and I can't figure out. And then finally Simon like, looks over and he goes, oh, he goes, that forward slash is supposed to be a backslash. I'm like, okay, and so I go and change it. And all of a sudden it's like, ding, 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 like your favorite color is purple. And I was like, it worked. <laughs> so it was like all I needed was that like little bit of information, and like the whole program changed, and everything fell into place. And I think um, when we get those things from God, I like to call them deposits of divine, or like divine deposits, where all of a sudden God just like drops in a little truth, and all of a sudden the picture can totally change and things can fall into place. So another one of those examples, oh yeah, I have a verse, I think. I don't have it in my notes, but maybe in Corinthians. Is it in there? <laughs> oh, it's up there. Sorry. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, I don't know how to say that, um, or the world or life or death, or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is of God. And I was talking with Tim about my message, and he pointed out this verse to me, and it was the, the whole idea that God can be found anywhere. It doesn't have to be, quote, unquote, Christian, in order to find God's truth and, and God's message within the world. I think if we have the eyes for it, we can find those truths and we can hear God's message no matter where we're looking. And another example that came up to me was, um, there was one day, was so, so deeply sad. It was a couple years ago. And I was caught in like this whole day's worth of just funk. I couldn't I couldn't shift my feelings. I was just feeling so worthless and unlovable, and I'd really reached this really pit spot. And again, think uh, that I had my drive home from Oakley, which is like 20 to 25 minutes, depending on traffic, depending on stupid traffic. Um, And I just was driving in my car, and I'm just crying and weeping. to God, like, oh, God, like, I just, I can't feel you. I cannot feel you. I feel so lost and so sad, and nothing can change me right now. I just can't feel you. And I felt like I heard him give me a little nudge that said, turn on the radio. So I turn on the radio, and I won't read you the whole song, but minor side note. um, When I picture love for me, love for me um, always gives me a picture of my mom, a picture where she she was always touching me as a kid. She would be rubbing my back or brushing my hair or holding my hand or just giving me these nonverbal cues of that would just, sorry, that's like a little emotional, that just equated to love to me. So God nudges me and says, turn on a song, and I'll read you the, a couple verses that stand out to me. Where he said, rub your feet, your hands, your legs. Let me take care of it, babe. Close your eyes, I'll sing your favorite song. I wrote you this lullaby. Hush now, baby, don't you cry. If I can't find the cure, I'll fix you with my love. No matter what you know, I'll fix you with my love. And if you say you're okay, I'm going to heal you anyway. Promise I'll always be here. I promise I'll always be the cure. Like right where no one else could have hit me, it was like just that deposit of divine, of like a wash of that image of love, of my mom rubbing my feet or rubbing my back. And in that moment, everything in my emotions just flipped in a way that no person probably could have done or no book I read could have done. And I was just awash with God knew exactly how to touch me. And he did it through a (laughs) song. And if you have never heard that song before, it's by Lady Gaga. (laughs) So talk about being able to find the message of God. Um, Wherever he needs to talk to you, he will. So, um, okay, so that's our first two cycles of three. So our last one is now kind of, now we've set up for this process of what I call cycling. Well, I don't call it, but it's called cycling. And cycling is basically this way of like, well, how can we invite in this intimate relationship with God? How can we give opportunity to receive these deposits of divine? And it's this idea of cycling. I think first is the Philippians. Philippians. And you'll see, even you can count on, you can see these little patterns of three in here. So if any of you have encouragement from being united with Christ, comfort from his love, fellowship from the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, And being one in spirit and purpose. So, this term cycling is the idea of walking through life and looking at it like what would be a bicycle. So, imagine that you have a bicycle, and that, you know, how your process of walking this path to freedom that you're on a bike. Well, imagine if you only got control over one of the pedals, <laughs> which I'm, like, super prone to So, like, I don't even want to try this experiment, but I'm sure if I was on a bike and I only was able to use one of the pedals, I mean, if you didn't crash and burn, like, immediately, <laughs> it would be pretty inevitable. Or if nothing else, you know, you'd be, like, Boo! wobbling all over the place because you would only have one side of the bike to function and to try and balance with. So then this idea of cycling is, well, what if you invited God to engage the other pedal? What if you take one and he takes one and you get to ride the bike together? You know when you, like, watch a kid learn to ride a bike for the first time and they're like, wobble, 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 and then all of a sudden this, like, magical moment happens where they, like, even out and then you just get to, like, glide along on this magical bike. Bikes are kind of mysterious to me that you can, like, ride on these two wheels and not fall over is just weird. But it's like this magical thing when you see like some kid like wobble, 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 and then they finally just get it, and something clicks, and now they glide along the road. And imagine if we could get to do that with God. Imagine if we get to like do one pedal, and then we constantly invite him to do the other, and we get to just kind of glide along with him. So that's how this idea of um, cycling comes up. And cycling is basically where we invite him in to engage with each part of our soul. So we invite them into our intellect, into our emotions, and then into our will. So what's an imbalance then? An imbalance would be any time you're experiencing um, thoughts or emotions, or if you have um, acts that are not of God. So if you're having thoughts that are negative, maybe you're having thoughts of fear or anxiety or depression, maybe you're having um, emotions, emotion would be kind of a depression thing. So if you're having emotions that are depressed, or if you keep just acting out of destruction and you're taking life instead of giving life, that would be how you would acknowledge an imbalance. And so when you can recognize that imbalance in your life, then you can start this process of cycling. So it says, oh yeah, I think I had a verse. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And the way we can do that is this process of cycling. So the first thing we do to engage our intellect is we invite the Trinity and we say, Father, I repent, which repent just means to turn away. So you're taking that negative whatever it is, that disconnect from God, those thoughts, those emotions, whatever, and you say, I turn away from those things. And then I invite you in, what do you think? Enter my intellect. Bring in your thoughts. What do you think about this? And oftentimes it will lead to some type of forgiveness that's needed. So do you need to forgive yourself? Or maybe do you need to forgive somebody else? And then once you've kind of walked through that and you feel like you've received whatever God has for you, then you engage your emotions and you say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. So how do you feel about this? And then oftentimes it's because We have something negative because it's replacing something positive that should be there instead. So we say, I trust you. What do you feel about this? And what emotion do I need? When I heard that Lady Gaga song, what emotion did I need? I needed love. I needed love that cast out all fear. And God deposited that in me, and he gave me that love instead of that that sense of depression. And then the last thing for our will, we say, Holy Spirit, I am empowered in you. So how can we serve? How can we partner to further the kingdom of God? What, we, what can we serve in the world to bring life, to give goodness, to create something better than what is now? How can we serve together? So a helpful place to start is to really start getting really good at identifying when you're imbalanced. How often in the day do we get triggered from something small or big where we immediately disconnect and we enter something that isn't God? When you get cut off by that car in traffic, which makes me think of my husband, Or when you go to the grocery store and somebody cuts you in line. Or if you are trying to get out of the house and your kids just won't put on their shoes. Or whatever it is, and all of a sudden you flip. And instead of getting to cycle with God, now something negative has entered in instead. Getting really good at identifying those things and then engaging in this process immediately. Um, Oftentimes it helps to start with thinking of a past event. So sometimes it's really hard when you're in the moment, when you're practicing this, to just do it on the fly during life. So sometimes it's really helpful to think of a past event where you could enter in this process with God and say, gosh, I was so mad about that, and then invite him into that process. Um, Sometimes it'll be immediate, and sometimes it might be really slow. I have something in my life I've been trying to receive healthy information from God for since I learned about this process. I've been in three years of just trying to cycle and cycle and cycle. And I think I've had some information that will tinkle in. That's probably not the right word. (laughs) Trickle. That will trickle in. (laughs) Um, But it's been three years, and I don't think I've had it yet. But it's just me constantly saying, like, God, I I engage that other puddle. I invite you in to cycle with me. And we're just figuring it out as we go. Um, So what are some sticking points? Um, there's two I'm going to point out. Sticking points would be if you ever get to the bottom of your um, cycle when you ask the Holy Spirit, how can we serve, and he gives you something where you say, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. <laughs> well, that makes me think of you. I ain't doing it. Um, then that's where you get to go, ooh, why did I reach that? I can't. Why can't I do that? And then you just go right back to the top of the cycle and you ask God to, what do you think about that? Why do I have those feelings about that? Well, what do- I have this story of, um, I'm getting really back into like working out again, so at the apartment complex where um, Mike and I live right now, there's this little like 400 square foot room in the middle of our complex, it's like the little workout facility, so it's got a couple machines and some free weights and whatever, and (laughs) I am a night owl, I really like working out late at night, and so it's interesting who else likes to work out late at night, (laughs) so I arrive at my little workout facility, and before I'm even in the room, I'm outside the room, and I can just do the, the whole, like, building feels like it's, like, pulsating with this really loud music. So I'm like, oh, great. And then I'm thinking, well, hopefully when I go inside, maybe they'll turn it down. And then I open the door, and it's like, I open the door, and I feel like I get, like, slapped in the face with heat. It's, they have the thing, the dialed up to 85, 85 in a 400-square-foot room where we're going to work out and sweat. And then there's like, I, yeah, so anyways. So this is a this is a girl that, like doesn't want to be overstimulated. I get the, to the end of my school day and I'm like I don't want the radio on, I don't want my jacket on or whatever. And then I walk into this room where the music is blaring and the heat is so hot and humid. And it, it's this, these young couple, these two um, a guy and a girl. So I get on my treadmill and I'm immediately trying to say like okay God, I just want to work out with you. Circumstances are not pleasant at the moment, but whatever. I get on my treadmill. I've got my little Kindle book ready to go. I put in my earbuds. I cannot even hear my music. I'm putting my music up as loud as my headphones will go. And I can, st- I'm like, you know, I've got some like, s- I listen to slow music while I work out. Don't ask me why. So I'm like, and then it's like, oh, contrasting. And I'm going nuts. I feel like I can't even like walk on rhythm. I'm like, just going totally crazy. So I'm trying to cycle and trying to cycle and trying to cycle. And I just can't. And so anyway, so I use, like, this whole time I'm working out to try and, like, hear from God and, like, give me some cool, I'm like, well, at least I get to work out with you. So then I leave, and I feel like the Holy Spirit says, wish them a good night when you leave. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. I asked them to turn it down, and they rolled their eyes at me and didn't. So that also happened. So I go to leave, and I feel like the Holy Spirit says, wish them a good night. Like, tell them, like, say something like, have a good night or whatever. And I go, ooh, nope, ooh, (laughs) and I leave, and I literally can't. I'm like, nope, I just, nope, I can't. So then I get in my car, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, so then I enter my cycle process again, and I'm still working that one out. That was like two weeks ago. But there was something that just made it seem like, ooh, I can't. So I obviously have something that I need to invite God to receive more of his grace, and there's some lie in there that needs to get healed that I haven't identified yet, but... Anyways, that's a sticking point. And then the other sticking point is sometimes there's things that are just too big. There's emotions or thoughts that are just too big. It's like it drowns out God. And sometimes you just are in that pain or you're in that circumstance and you just can't hear him. So a really short story of one that happened recently to me is, I don't know, a few weeks ago or whenever that was, I was hanging out with my husband and we're just like at home having like a totally normal evening and then we have some, like, minor miscommunication. It wasn't even an argument or anything. And then all of a sudden, I was just like, ugh, like, just, like, it's really bad inside. And there was nothing identifiable I could really place it on or whatever. I was just, like, everything just was, like, twisting inside. So I'm saying bye to my poor husband, who is used to me crying all the time and really emotional. If you haven't caught on to that by now. So I'm, he's, like, going to go off to the store, and I'm going to go to my little workout facility where I'm probably going to meet the Metallic Twins again. And and I just start kind of quietly crying. I'm not really, and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't really know. I just feel really bad inside. And so he's you know, like, okay, well, call me if you need me or whatever, and kind of says bye to me. And I get in my car, and I drive down to our little facility. And as soon as I park my car, I immediately just start, like, weeping, like, that ugly cry, like (laughs) weeping, weeping, and I don't know why. I genuinely, genuinely don't know what's going on in my soul right now that I feel so deeply sad. And the pain is just too big. I'm sitting there for a few minutes and I'm just like crying out to God like, oh God, this hurts so bad and I don't understand and why is this happening? And then of course my sweet husband, who hopefully, maybe, I don't know, whatever, had some nudge and so I look up from my car and he's parked, like, T-boned right in front of where I have parked. And he kind of, like, squints and looks in the window and sees me, like, <laughs> 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 and he kind of just goes, come here. So I get out of my car, and I get into his car, and we drive over to a parking spot. And he just spends, like, an hour and a half with, of me just crying. And he keeps trying to just, you know, I'm here for you, I love you, whatever. He's, like, rubbing my hand. He's giving me love. You know, gently asking questions, but really not even asking questions, just trying to be with me in that space. And... The important part of that story is I think that's a perfect place for sometimes when things are just too big and you can't hear God, it's the perfect time to lean on that friend. Who's that friend in your life that you can be wherever you're at and you can call on them or they'll come meet you or they'll whatever. And when you can't hear God, when you can't connect to him on your own, that true friend is the person that can connect to God for you. And the, their friend is the person that can show you that love and be with you in that space when you can't access it yourself. So those are my two sticking points. Okay, so now we go back to my original story where this was like the first like profound moment of me getting to act out this kind of cycle with God. And so I'm about to burst in my car in my backed up traffic and Mike's just landed this like brand new dream of here's how we can change our life. And I'm like, nope, and I hang up. And I'm sitting in my car and... I put it in word form. I don't really work in word form. I'm really just mostly in feelings. So I put it in words so it would make sense to you because I can't really tell you feelings. But I cried out and I said, Father, I'm freaking out. And I repent because you don't want me to freak out. So I turn away from that and then I invite him in and say, what do you think and who do I need to forgive? And I felt him say, you need to forgive Mike. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I don't want to forgive Mike. He's freaking out my life. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then, so I tried to, like, listen more closely, and I, and he said, you need to forgive him for being different than you, which, like, seemed like an odd thing to need to forgive somebody for, and so I was like, I actually was like, I don't understand what that means. What do you mean being different than me? And he said, I got the feeling of, like, being different doesn't have to be scary, Mike was meant to be a dreamer and to be a striver and to always be thinking about not just five years down the road, but already thinking about what are we going to do when we retire? And he's meant to be future-minded and to be that person that helps give direction and whatever. So you need to forgive him for being different than you. Okay, I can get on that. I forgive Mike. And then asking Jesus, well, how do you feel about this and what emotion do I need? And realizing that I really like plans. I really like to be able to wrap my head around what to expect and, like, we're starting here and we're going here. I like that plan. And then I'm really good where Mike and I are pretty, like, we get to support each other's opposites. I'm really good at putting all those little steps in place to get us to where we're going. He's all about the vision. And then I'm all about the, like, ooh, okay, so it means we need to do this and we need to do this and we need to do this. So then he invites some huge new dream, and my whole head is going, OMG, now I'm, all these things are wrapping through my head. And so God said, you need to just, you don't feel safe. You feel all freaked out, you don't feel safe, and so you need love that casts out that fear. You don't need to be afraid, you're safe in me, you don't need to have the plan. And I felt that, that love cast over me. And so I'm like, yes, I feel afraid, so I trust you. And I call that out. And then I say, Holy Spirit, how can we serve? And <laughs> he said, encourage Mike's dreaming, let go of your need to plan, and actually praise him for his ability to dream and strive. And I remember literally being in my, co- my car and going, nope. <laughs> go, mm, yep, yeah, that doesn't feel great. I'm not going to do that. Nope. And then I was like, oh, pause, and I'm in my, like, mile-long traffic, so I've got plenty of time. So I'm like, oh, okay, sigh, another big sigh. I'm like, okay, that seems really, really scary, but okay, I want to serve with you on a walk with you. So, okay, I can let go of my plan, I can trust you, and I can encourage Mike's dreaming, and I can even praise him for the fact that he works that way. And then um, the Holy Spirit followed it up again and felt like he said, explain to Mike your process. Explain to him why you freaked out and allow him the opportunity to have some gentleness towards you and how you're different. So praise him for his dreaming and acknowledge that that's great, but also allow him the opportunity to be gentle towards you and to learn a new way to kind of love you in the process. And so then I just said, okay, thank you for loving me. So this idea of cycling with God, of this path to freedom, of how can we invite God to really balance us and be intimate with us and invite him into each parts of our soul and to walk life with us and how m- more powerful and life-giving and good can our circumstances be when we can consciously actively walk out with him that way so cycling has absolutely changed my life i mean i think i will be cycling every day every moment for <laughs> the rest of my life um, but anyways i invite you to do the same so will you pray with me